Hey, it's Angel, your friendly neighborhood doula. I'm so excited to have you here on the Birth Cafe podcast, where I'll talk about all things birth, postpartum, and pregnancy. As a certified doula, lactation counselor, and perinatal educator, I'm here to provide you with evidence-based information on interesting topics while also having fun and open conversations about the perinatal period. This podcast is for parents and birth professionals alike, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. So grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee, sit down, get comfy, and let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm so excited for everyone to be here. And if you're watching the replay, welcome to this webinar. I am crazy excited. My inner lactation breastfeeding hit is like fangirling right now, talking to Kathleen. If you are in the birth world at all, you probably have heard of her book, Breastfeeding Made Simple. Absolutely love that book. I have it two physical copies and an audible. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a great resource. So if you don't have that book and you're planning on breastfeeding, I definitely encourage you to get your hands on that. But Kathleen has a new book coming out. But before we kind of get into her new book, I want Kathleen to introduce herself. So Kathleen, if you want to introduce yourself and let us know how you got into the lactation world. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you, Angel, for inviting me to talk to you today. It's uh, it's really nice to meet you. And I'm a, a health psychologist by training. I actually have studied in developmental psychology. And I started as a family violence researcher, still do that work, but was in grad school and, you know, had my baby one month after I finished my dissertation and found myself in a situation where I had had a horrendous birth experience and I, there was no resources at the time, you know, and I remember kind of starting to read through literature and I had some grant money and actually, you know, my advisor asked if I could hire one of my fellow students who didn't have a summer job to start doing some research for me. And so I did. And so I had her start grabbing some research literature and sending it to me. And I started looking through that and I started thinking, you know, I'm not seeing what people are talking about. Because when, especially when you start talking about like depression, and in my case, yeah, depression, poverty, and a little bit of PTSD, everybody was talking about hormones. They were talking about estrogen and progesterone. And yet I wasn't seeing that in the research literature. And so I kind of just on a whim, you know, I bought a book called How to Write a Book Proposal. And I wrote a book proposal and I got it accepted to write a book about postpartum depression. And so I started kind of doing that work and I was doing my family violence work. And then, you know, like after my second baby, you know, because the first time around, I got kind of sabotaged. I still actually managed to breastfeed for nine months, but it's like, you know, tons of bad advice. I was a lot more educated the second time, got involved with Lalitia League, became a Lalitia League leader. And that was supposed to be my fun, happy counterpart to all the trauma and depression work I was doing. But then Lalitia League started asking me to go out and lecture on, you know, can you go lecture on depression? Can you lecture on child sexual abuse and breastfeeding? And so then the, I found those two fields merging. So I'm, I, you know, I kind of have changed fields because I found it actually better reflected my interest. So I'm in health psychology and trauma psychology, and I also do lactation work. And a lot of times I find I can bring those fields together, you know, in a way that I, that I hope is helpful because, you know, it's like one of the things I was really hearing, especially, I think that probably made me really want to jump in and sort of advocate is so many things were being said about 
you know, trauma survivors that weren't true and that were actually very unhelpful in my opinion, you know, because it was kind of like they woke up one day and said, oh gosh, we found out that a lot of these women have histories of sexual abuse or sexual assault. Well, this is what we need to do. And I thought, good Lord, you should never, ever do that. You know? And so I started kind of, I remember telling my boss that when I worked at university of New Hampshire, I said, I think I'm going to have to get into this. I said, because what I'm hearing out here is just awful. And so that's kind of where I found myself, you know, sort of advocating. And also too, that, you know, talking to my patient people about the importance of mental health, because if mother's mental health is kind of not on board, then oftentimes breastfeeding gets, gets sabotaged, you know, and if breastfeeding is sabotaged, it's also going to affect mental health. So it's kind of this, you know, bi-directional relationship as we talk about in research, you know, it's like that they influence each other. And I thought this is important stuff and we need to actually be talking about kind of like mother's experience of this and their mental health and why this is important, you know, so we can't just kind of just be pushing this kind of breastfeeding agenda without necessarily keeping the mother in mind, you know, and I just thought that that was really important. So that's yeah. kind of where I am I've been in the space of mental health versus lactation for many years. And now I'm getting some younger colleagues who are picking up the torch. So I'm happy about that. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I am a lactation counselor and a doula as well. Awesome. And I work also with Postpartum Support International doing oh, some really? health work. Yeah. And so yeah. this, I, I, I really feel like this topic is not as discussed as it really should be. And it's an important topic. There's a lot of misconceptions and myths about breastfeeding and mental health, but we want both moms' mm -hmm. mental health, of course, be well, and we do encourage and like encouraging moms to also breastfeed their babies. So, how do we kind of blend those two together, where we can support mental health with breastfeeding, as far as like if mental health is affecting breastfeeding or vice versa? You know, yeah. should we continue breastfeeding? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Well. You know, this is the kind of interesting thing, and so, as I kind of started telling you, it's something I never, ever expected to find because I really, I knew that depression could impact whether you continued breastfeeding. Okay. So that was kind of the focus I had, but I didn't realize until many years later, how much breastfeeding actually protects mental health. You know, it's like, I always knew it was important to the mothers. And that's actually one of the reasons why I got into kind of really sort of advocating for this is because, you know, I found out this was actually kind of funny, but. I started getting these phone calls. It was back in the days when, you know, there was no internet to no email and it's probably hard to imagine that, but I was getting all these phone calls from women all over the country, you know, several a week saying that they had called the Lacey League and, you know, were told to call me. And I found out about three months after the fact, after getting all these phone calls that one of my friends who worked there at the national hotline, it's like anytime anybody called and said they were depressed, she was giving out my home telephone number. And so, I mean, it kind of made me laugh when I was like, okay, well, that explains it. She says, I hope that's okay. And I said, well, it's a little late to ask that, isn't it? But anyway, look, you know, the calls were just so similar in many ways. They just said, they all said, you know, I've just been diagnosed with postpartum depression and I'm told I have to wean and this is the only thing that's going well. You know, and at the time we didn't even have the basic information about, is it safe to continue breastfeeding if you're on antidepressants? You know, because again, like I said, all these women that were, you know, they were under the care of like psychiatry, you know, which actually, again, was a, sort of the standard treatment at the time. And so I just really thought I need to find some answers, you know, and that's really kind of what made me kind of dig more heavily into the clinical aspect, which I kind of had never really meant to because my training is all in research, you know, and so, but I just, I, I had to do something. I was listening to these stories and they were just breaking my heart. But what we found, and this is actually something that came up many years later, is that breastfeeding, particularly exclusive breastfeeding, actually protects mother's mental health. 
And it does it because it turns off the stress system and it's the stress system that underlies depression. And so it actually physiologically changes the mother's stress system, you know, which actually really makes sense when you start looking at long-term health effects. Like for example, we know in a huge sample, it was like 139,000 women, the average age was 63. Okay. And they found lifetime protection for these women in terms of cardiovascular disease, high triglycerides, you know, diabetes risk. I mean, number one killers of women, you know, and it lowered their risk the longer they breastfed. Wow. You know, so again, it's the same physiology that actually protects mental health. You know, we see this kind of activated stress system, particularly the inflammatory response system that breastfeeding because of oxytocin turns that system off, but where you get the best benefit, the strongest benefit is with exclusive. And that's the thing, especially when somebody has any mental health issues is the first thing that people interfere with. They get in there and they say, well, let's give the baby a bottle at night so you can sleep, you know, and what we find, and this is actually not just our study, but this was actually now several studies in a row have found exactly the same thing. So I think we're onto something here. The mothers actually get poorer sleep when you do that. Okay. So you think you're helping sleep, but you're actually making it worse and you're actually lowering their, their protective factors and increasing the risk of depression. You think you're, you're decreasing the risk, but you're actually increasing it with that advice. Wow. Yeah. It just kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That is so interesting. And I, I know you covered that a little bit in your book and breastfeeding made simple. And mm -hmm. I just found that so, so fascinating because it is, it's when a mother is struggling with sleep or struggling like with postpartum depression, one of the things that we first go to first is breastfeeding. Maybe you should stop breastfeeding. Maybe right. you should put how many feeds you're doing with the breastfeeding. Maybe your partner right. should just give the baby a bottle at night so you can get some sleep. But here, the research is becoming clear that it has the adverse effect. Exactly. It. it has the absolute opposite effect of it. You know, it's interesting because even Brooke Shields was talking about this in her book, and it took me a while to dig up the quote. I'm like having to leave through the whole book to find the quote. But she was talking <laughs> about how everybody was pressuring her to stop breastfeeding. She just had this really amazing quote. She was talking about, they didn't realize that it was my emotional connection to my child. If I had any hope of getting through this nightmare, it was because of breastfeeding. And she said, I was hanging on to it like my lifeline. It's like, it's just a really kind of a, you know, an astonishing statement. And she had so many things working against her. She had this horrendous birth experience. My mom actually, I think saw her on Oprah or something like that, where she was talking about her birth experience, you know, where it was like a life-threatening complication that she had, you know, no wonder she was depressed and everybody expected her to just sort of get on with it. And that isn't actually what happened. And, you know, so it was amazing how, how she like really recognized that. Now is the story I heard from the mothers. This is the only thing that's working for me. Why would I want to? Right. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as a doula, I, I, I counsel with my, you know, the clients that I work with about how much birth can really affect breastfeeding, how absolutely. your birth went can affect breastfeeding, but not only can it affect breastfeeding, your birth can affect your mental health mm -hmm. as well. So birth trauma is a real thing. Um, and so it, it really can have a negative impact on mom's mental health and her breastfeeding experience. So it's this is why this conversation is just so, so, so important to have. And even in the mental health community, what would you say in the mental health community, what are their views on supporting moms with breastfeeding and their mental health? You know, I would say we still have some work to do. I would say that there's people that are getting better about it. You know, that they're getting a little more educated about it. Cause you know, when I first started, it was absolutely wean the baby. There was no question about it. And you know, I remember being at a conference one time and I, I, I was just appalled. 
at what I was hearing. I was listening to this and, you know, somebody was telling me at lunch, she says, oh yeah, and there's a doctor in our community. And if a mother is at risk, just at risk for postpartum depression, he was sending her home with estrogen patches on. Wow. Estrogen's going to block breastfeeding. And I said to her, you know, so I'm trying not to like shriek, you know, admit it was a little hard, but I said to her, I said, well, you know, I'm really pleased that he is taking such a proactive view. I said, however, you know, I said, I'm worried that that intervention is actually going to really make it impossible for these women to breastfeed. So you're taking their choice away. And she said, and it was like, you could just see the shutters come down. Mm -hmm. And then she said, oh, right. You're the (laughs) Uh, oh my goodness no <laughs> I thought, yeah guilty 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 but yeah i mean i remember hearing a two-hour presentation from a big treatment program you know it was one of the biggest in the country at the time there was not a word said about breastfeeding mm-hmm. in the whole time talking about you know the mom's perinatal mental health i mean it was just not a thing right you know, but i will also say the interesting thing is it was not a thing to talk about things like sexual assault mm-hmm. They didn't think that had any impact, you know, and it's just, how could you think that hasn't, because it has so much impact in the rest of women's lives. Why wouldn't it have impact now? Right. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more, maybe like touch on that topic of, you know, sexual assault and breastfeeding and how that may affect her breastfeeding experience? Well, you know, as I kind of mentioned, one of the reasons why I decided to sort of jump in is because I was hearing so many negative things. You know, it's like I was at conferences and I remember actually hearing in a conference, it was, it was a uh, midwifery conference and it was a midwife saying, which again, surprised me because I mean, of the midwifery kind of worldview, but she was saying, well, you know, if you suspect a woman has a history of sexual abuse, sexual assault, you need to confront her with it and say, you know that she has been. And I thought, I'm just sitting there in the audience. I was feeling assaulted hearing that. Wow. I thought, wow, first of all, None of your business. Right. Women actually have a right to decide who they want to share that information with. Right. Pushy and obnoxious about it. It was like, I was just horrified. I was horrified when I heard that. I just thought, no, 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 no. You know, I'll tell you something from years of working with, with moms around this issue. It really, really, really depends. It really depends on kind of the mom's experience. It really depends on kind of her motivation. What I've kind of learned to do is find out what she wants to do, and then we support her from there. Right. There are many mothers, even with pretty significant trauma histories, who want to breastfeed. It's important to them, you know, and it may not always be easy, and it may not be something they even honestly like, but it's important to them. And I think it's awful when we take away their choice there and say, no, 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 you don't need to do that. You don't need, or when we sit there and we plant doubt in their head, oh, you're probably going to have problems. Oh, you're probably going to have a low milk supply. Oh, you're probably not going to be able to do it. It's like, why would you say that to her? Right. right. You don't know that. And you know, you're so vulnerable in that postpartum period. I mean, it's yes. one of the effects of oxytocin is it makes you super attuned to social cues, which is important because you're trying to learn how to read your baby's cues, right? It's, it, right. There's a really good reason for that. But what it does is it makes you super vulnerable to negative stuff. And it may not even be something somebody said. It could be a facial expression. It could be a raised eyebrow. It could be a, you know, but you <laughs> conversely, positive stuff also has a really long-term effect because of that. Right. You know, yeah. but it's like when you start planting doubts into mother's heads like that, you know, it can really have a potentially really long-term effect and there's no reason for it. You know, this is what I tell providers. It's like, okay, like, let's say a mom's had a really difficult birth. She's got a pretty good chance that there's going to be delay in lactogenesis too. Okay. Cause we know that stress actually blocks that. Right. You know, and so she's got a pretty good chance of that, but what we need to do is keep our mouth shut, but watch her and just make sure that that she gets through that. And it's like, if stuff starts popping up, then we can kind of jump in and talk. 
but we don't necessarily need to say, well, you know, you may have a problem with this because, you know, because there was actually a nice commentary a few years ago in Journal of Human Lactation. And, you know, they were talking about how nurses in the recovery room post C-section were saying to mothers, well, you're probably going to have a delay in lactogenesis too. You know what? That's 100% true. That is 100% true. But you know what the mothers were hearing? I'm not going to be able to do this. Exactly. I'm not going to be able to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. and like, you know, as I tell the nurses all the time, you know, don't do the TMI thing. You know, oh, things sure just need to be kept in your head. Yes, exactly. You know, it's kind of like sometimes it's just sort of this brain dump, you know, it's like we got to tell them everything. Really, really don't. Oh my goodness. I have goosebumps just listening to this. And as I'm sure you already know, the medical community has a lot of work to do when it comes to supporting breastfeeding mothers. And we're seeing oh, that firsthand okay. in the in the formula shortages and you know, how are we supporting these moms and things like that? So moms are having a an increased interest, I would say, in being able to like successfully breastfeed. But there are some things that they, you know, need to be prepared for and have education about. And this this topic is definitely one of them. So let's talk about the new book that you're having come out and okay. it's coming out in July. Fine. I am really excited. I can't wait to get my hands on this book. And okay, so her book is called Breastfeeding Doesn't Need to Suck, How to Nurture Your Baby and Your Mental Health. This title is so intriguing. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about what inspired you to write this book? Well, it kind of came from some conversations because, you know, I'm very active in my professional association, which is American Psychological Association. and mm -hmm their you know head of book acquisitions came to me at the meeting and said look would you be willing to write a book about breastfeeding and i started thinking okay what kind of book i mean this is a really crowded field there's just so many books on the market yes. and i thought the reason i need to do this is first of all i'm hearing from so many mothers and it's all over social media too that breastfeeding particularly in those first few weeks sucks it's horrible you know and i thought whoa okay so somehow there's a real disconnect here you know, that mothers are having these kind of awful experiences and we're just kind of like taking that in and thinking, oh, well, you know, I guess that's just the way it is. No, it isn't. Right. You know, and so I was worried because I feel like the mother gets a backseat here, that what is important to her and her needs completely is subsumed in this kind of goal of breastfeeding, that she's not important. You know, and in fact, I was at a conference and there, the, one of the other speakers said this, and I, I, I think it just in, in my ways crystallized what I think is wrong. You know, she said that, you know, she's talking about mothers that she considered to be at risk for not breastfeeding. And frankly, I find her list arguable, but look, okay, let's just go with that. But she said, you know, what I do is I come to her and say, what can I do to ensure that your baby has human milk? So the mother is just taking completely out of the equation. What she wants, what she needs, we're not talking about it as a relationship anymore. It's that she has a commodity that she needs to make. And it's like, what's important to her doesn't matter in the scope of that. And yes, I will tell you, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like breast milk. You cannot make it. It's a living tissue. You know, it's, it's important. And, the, you know, when breastfeeding works, it's amazing. It's magnificent. You know, it's such a brilliant system, right. but she is important in this and her needs and her wants and her relationship with her baby. You know, that is really kind of the key. And then, you know, when one of the things I kind of argue, I, and I put this right in the kind of the first chapter of the book is there's almost a bigger goal here besides even though I'm, you know, 100% in support of breastfeeding, but the bigger goal is can she develop a secure attachment to that baby? And that's really, you know, in terms of long-term effects, that's the bigger goal, you know? And so it's kind of like if we make her breastfeeding experience in such a way that it's so miserable for the first few months, 
I think you're interfering with that other goal. You know, so what I wanted to do is make sure, first of all, if there's a breastfeeding problem, let's fix it. You know, none of this, oh, well, I guess you're just going to have to tough it out for six weeks. That's rubbish. It's right. absolutely, you know, I can't tell you how many mothers I've worked with who've been told that. And we sort their breastfeeding problem in no time at all. Okay. You know, within, you know, usually I can do it immediately, but sometimes it may take, a, you know, a few days to get it sorted, honestly. But right. I've never had one that we couldn't sort, you know, and so this idea, you know, and part of it is just, I truly believe it's supposed to work. I'm going to help you figure out why it's not. If I come to see you multiple times, that's what I'm going to do. Right. You know, but I've gotten on Zoom with people and said, here, try this. And boom, you know, I mean, it was almost like textbook. In fact, I, I had to keep myself from gawping because I thought, good Lord. So, you know, but that's, that's one thing. But I also kind of wanted to talk about some of the things that a lot of breastfeeding books don't really talk about. And that's why breastfeeding is important to mental health. You know, I touched on it in Breastfeeding Made Simple, but space limitations, you know, limited me from being able to really get into it. And I talk a lot about kind of sleep. And the other thing I talk about is I ended up actually writing three whole chapters on this, which was social support. You know, yes. normally you see a book and they say, yeah, social support, you need social support, but they don't tell you what it is and they don't tell you how to get it. Wow. And they don't tell you when you're not getting it, you know, because sometimes, you know, you can look at outward actions, but they're not necessarily supportive. And so I kind of framed that whole section with two really important studies, you know, that had just come out in 2020. You know, one was they looked at three groups of mothers in the UK. Okay. So the first group was considered high support. So they had their partner support, they had family support, they also had medical support. You know, by two months later, 98% of them were still breastfeeding. Okay, so it shows that's all important. The next group were the ones that they considered to having sort of, you know, moderate support and they had the, 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 their, their own mother, the grandmother, they had the grandmother and the partner support, but the grandmother and the partner were also feeding the baby. And then they had the group called low support, which was just the partner. Well, the ones that were the moderate support where somebody else was feeding the baby, by two months, I think only 14% of them were still breastfeeding. Wow. And then the quote, low support group with just the partner was 48%. So wow. it's kind of like, it's not supportive when somebody else is feeding the baby. All the lessons we can learn. And yes. it's also too, it shows you the whole village bit is really better. Partner support's obviously key, but the, the whole village bit is even better. So we can get everybody on board. That's even better. But the second study actually was talking about how, you know, the different types of support. It was like informational, you know, emotional and sort of practical support, right? And so having the right information, providing the practical support. So, you know, making sure that all the other kind of house stuff is taken care of, you know, that, that she has food, that she has drink, you know, that just this practical, you know, kind of doula stuff was part of doula stuff. And, you know, then the emotional support, which is kind of like, you know, her wants, her needs, you know, kind of like her feelings about it. And they found that if particularly the partner, just looking at partner support, provided emotional support, found out what she want, what did her goals were, her desires, you know, how she was feeling. If that was provided, then the other kinds, the other two types of support were perceived as being helpful. But if the, her needs were not addressed and what she wanted, she experienced those other two types of quote support as not support. And in fact, her breastfeeding rates went down, you know, that she experienced information and practical support as coercive, not as helpful, you know? So it's really, it kind of goes back to what we used to learn in law actually support right. the mother first. That's the first thing. That's the key thing, you know, yes. and then these other bits can actually be then helpful. And so it's like, that's what I ended up, you know, I ended up going through basically kind of three chapters. So I talked about kind of family in one, you know, and kind of how tricky that is, right. you know, and then we talked about kind of medical and kind of, you know, that uh, lactation consultant. And then we talked about what it could be 
in terms of like looking at postpartum doula sport. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, I, that's something I don't think you see in a lot of other books. And I had a whole section on sleep too, and kind of like gave sort of pros and cons of, of bed sharing, you know, mm -hmm. impacts mental health. And if you're only, if you're, if you're mixed feeding, bed sharing is probably not a good idea. That's actually one of the surprising things we found in our study, that it tended to make the mothers more anxious. They got less sleep. They were way more angry and irritable. Well, yeah, we did find out in the studies that bottle feeding can, they can lose a little bit more sleep. So I can imagine combining yeah. those two, you're putting a lot on yourself. So. I think also too, you don't have that tool to help the baby get to sleep. So it's the baby's right. taking longer to get to sleep and you're sitting there, you know, and your, your baby's fussing around and moving around. So you can't sleep, you know? how that happens but i've never seen another study that actually really looked at that and i thought well that's actually really quite interesting yeah absolutely yeah and that's something so i teach breastfeeding classes and one of the last things so we all know that when you're learning from a class you're going to remember the first thing that they said and the last thing so mm. the last thing that i talk about is actually how important support is and we talk about that community of support of for breastfeeding yeah. and the community support of breastfeeding we talk about those medical providers we talk about the partner we talk about the family mm -hmm. um, and how vital that is to supporting a mom's breastfeeding journey and then we could go into a whole nother topic about mm. how we lack postpartum support there's right. so much you know love and care and doting on the baby and we kind of forget not even just with breastfeeding but just in the postpartum period in general that Absolutely. there's a mug that mm -hmm. needs support that needs that loving care as well which I, I mean i would believe that would increase mom's risk of postpartum depression and other perinatal disorders oh absolutely yeah. You yeah. know, it's funny because that was something, you know, I did interviews for the very first book I wrote. So, you know, going back to the early nineties now, but that was something that I heard over and over and over again from the mothers, you know, even the mothers who were telling me they were sure their depression was hormonal. Cause remember that was the, that was the viewpoint, but yeah, I remember this one mom and she'd had a C-section, you know, a crash C-section under general anesthesia, you know, and just kind of coping with that and how hard it was, you know, and she said, you know, I've had major surgery. And she said, they would have paid more attention to me if I'd had my appendix out, you know? And I remember just thinking, yeah, I think that really, I think that says it. And, you know, this is the thing that I think is so often overlooked is, you know, even when things go well, you know, you're acutely aware during a birth that you're really walking on that knife edge of life and death. Mm -hmm. You know, it's serious. I mean, mothers are less likely to die than they used to, but they certainly can. And mm -hmm. so could babies. And you're walking on that knife edge and then you come through the other side and everybody kind of goes, eh. All right, good luck. Congratulations. Bye. <laughs> this boundly life-changing experience. Yeah. And there's like no acknowledgement of that. Yep, absolutely. You know? Well, I think that that is, I think that that's a little bit of the, you know, that mother's experience. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Man, and I'm so glad that you are touching on this topic. I'm a part of a couple of mental, perinatal mental health groups, and it seems like it's not talked about still. There's a lot of misconceptions where I will see, you know, perinatal mental health therapists or other mental health therapists just saying like, oh, this mom is trying to stop breastfeeding because of her mental health. So how can I encourage her to stop breastfeeding? And I'm just like, first, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? We're, we're referring her out to a lactation consultant. The first thing ever, mm -hmm. that's the first thing that we do. And then let's also talk about how 
breastfeeding can benefit the mom's mental health. So Great. I'm so glad this is out. So let's talk, tell me more about the topics you will discuss in your new book. You kind of touched on a few as we, you know, support and. Right. Um, yeah. Support was a huge section. I had a yeah. whole huge section on sleep. You know, one of the things I kind of talked about too, were like some of the things that really aren't breastfeeding issues, but can knock you sideways if you don't know about them. And sometimes you mm -hmm. think, okay, well, if I stop breastfeeding, it's going to help with that. And it doesn't because it's just inherent in postpartum. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about, you know, things like isolation, you know, like how so many times new mothers are just completely isolated and we somehow expect they're going to have great mental health with that. That's not good for anybody. We found that out during the pandemic, didn't we? Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, and they do that in prisons as a punishment. Wow. It's kind of like, why would you expect this wouldn't impact you? Mm. We talked about incompetence, about how like a lot of times, you know, you may have been in a situation where you were at least confident. You were out in the world and you were doing things and, you know, you were able to kind of, you know, accomplish things. And all of a sudden you're just a novice again. Right. You know, and it's like, one of the things I say is, you know, there's a difference between learning and incompetence. You're learning something and your baby is learning something, something hard. And I said, you just made a tiny little human being. I said, that's a huge accomplishment. Right. And so that can actually be something too. It's like, you just think, you know, so many moms I've talked to have, you know, gone back to work even earlier because they just want to get back into feeling like they know what to do, you know? And mm -hmm. so that we know if a mom goes back to work in the first few weeks, you know, it, it does tend to sabotage breastfeeding. It's very hard to maintain it with that. Yes. Yeah. You know? And so that can, you know, and sometimes it's a necessity, unfortunately, you know, we're still not at a place where people get paid maternity leave, you know, that, and that's kind of a whole nother social issue. And, and believe me, I did actually touch on that, but the, you know, like they just, the feeling of incompetence and also just that sense of idleness that you should be up doing something, you know, yes. when you, all you're doing is just sitting there all day, nursing your baby. Yes. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's, that is actually probably the number one thing that I hear yeah. when I'm doing my postpartum visits with the moms after they had their baby and they're breastfeeding and like, they're just like, I feel like all I'm doing is just sitting around doing nothing. Right. Like, and right. I, you know, I want to clean and I want to do this and, and well, and I feel like that also comes back to support a little bit right. as well. Yeah. Maybe in our culture too, we don't, sometimes we as women, we're just like, we feel like we have to be superwoman. We have this superwoman exactly. complex. And so we just feel like, oh, well, I just need to go back to doing everything that I was doing before, which mm -hmm. I actually wanted to ask, do you touch on the subject or the topic of the snapping back or going back to normal? Because that is something else that I commonly hear from moms is wanting to pretty much snap back to where they were before they had their baby. Right. Oh yeah. No, I talk about that a lot because it's kind of like, you know, you have this idea that, you know, you want to go back to your old self and it's kind of like, well, you've had this life changing experience. You know, the old you doesn't exist, but you've added a wonderful new dimension to your life, yep. you know, but it can be hard at first to incorporate that and kind of like, what's a reasonable goal. Yeah. Definitely talk about that. Yeah. Like I said, I really do focus a lot on the mental health and kind of like what is the mom's experience of this and how can she kind of think it through, you know, so that, you know, she can get what she needs. She can get the support she needs that she knows that she deserves it, you know, and can, and, you know, it's okay to seek it out. It doesn't make you weak. You know, it's like, I hear so many like versions of the story about, well, you know, a woman in the field and she gets right back to work. You know, when you look at lower income countries, okay, where they have far fewer resources than we do, you know, that's not the norm. That's actually a, you know, when, when there's deprivation, when there's severe deprivation, you actually see in a lot of other countries, 
you know, that they do a much better job of supporting new mothers than we do. Like there's even like ceremonies where they are reintroduced back into the community. There's all kinds of practical support because they know it's absolutely essential to the survival of that baby. Yes. You know, and so they do a lot of things where they, you know, there's a lot of rituals in different cultures, you know, head wrapping, belly wrapping, you know, massages, certain foods you only eat during the postpartum period, certain foods of what, they're all things that mark that this is a distinct period right. versus, you know, our mothers come back and whoop, they're back in their other life. Mm-hmm. Nothing that marks that time. And so then they feel like that's when I think they really feel pressured to kind of like get back to it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, you know, it's okay. You know, and I even actually explain it in terms of the wisdom of your body. You know, you have just made a little human being, you know, and let's see if you're going to, you know, your body is actually saying, okay, you need to rest from that and just kind of focus right now. And that you are actually doing something, you're doing something incredible, you know, but you may not feel like you're quote doing something. So then I can just talk about, okay, so if you just absolutely feel like you must do something, you know, I talk about some things like, well, you know, using a baby sling, you can kind of maybe walk around and if you want to pick up a couple of things or you know, hopefully you're going to have help. That's what I really, that's ideally what you want, you know, or even just like renting one of those rolling tables that you can get from medical supply companies and, you know, like they have in hospital, but those can be handy, especially if you're one-handed. Wow. That's a good tip. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I try to kind of think about some things like that to kind of just help you cope. But the idea is, you know, what I really want to reinforce is you know, this is a challenging time, but it passes right. and you don't have to do anything other than just be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We got slow down. I, I feel like moms usually, and I have to tell this to my moms, like sometimes you have to kind of grieve that old self, that old normal that you have. Right. And then, you know, you know, come to terms with what your new normal is. I like to call it a new normal. You have right. new normal. So well, that new, new and in many ways improved normal. Yes, absolutely. So it's like it, they, they may actually, you're right, kind of grieve for that old self. And then one of the things I kind of say in a lot of different places is, you know, your old self is still there, mm-hmm. you know, but it's different now. It's got an extra dimension to it. And it's in it, your life is enriched and it may not seem like it right now, but it actually, you will see it. And it's like, this is, I want you to kind of aim for that. The other thing I did is when we did this in breast meeting simple too, is I said, okay, so I'm going to talk to your left brain now. I said, I want to get a calendar and I want you to count out 40 days. Yes. That's so brilliant. Yeah. I remember that in the book and I'm like, wow. And so I tell my mom that like all yeah, 40 um, days and 40 nights, you know, things yeah. really, there's a big shift in the baby's brain development at about that time, you know? And so you find things get a little more regular. I mean, the things are kind of always changing with the baby, but there's kind of, there's, there is sort of a marking of that, but I said, get yourself a calendar and mark that because it's going to give you something to hang on to when you think this will quote, never end. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. So what do you think moms can do to prepare to protect her mental health prenatally? Are there things that she can do while she's pregnant to improve her mental health? Yeah, I really think some of it is thinking about some of those things that we talked about in terms of like the isolation and the incompetence and the just feeling like, you know, you're, you're out of the loop, the idleness to kind of think about, okay, you know, one of the things that really kind of gets a little bit morphed in that time is the postpartum time is you lose your sense of time, you know, and we just actually had a really interesting paper that I just accepted for publication in the journal I edit, which is psych trauma. And they were talking about that being a major issue and how that actually contributed to sort of the trauma of that experience is losing the markers of time, you know, like 
is it a weekday or is it the weekend? Is it, you know, you just kind of everything sort of ran together. And that definitely is true when you're a new mother and you're, you know, really sleep deprived. And so one of the things I would say to plan to do is kind of have a little bit of a loose structure in your day. You know, like, for example, one of the things that I said is I said, get dressed every day. You know, don't hang out in your, in your pajamas. I mean, I'm talking yoga pants and t-shirt here. We're not talking about fancy, but for right. some day. You know, you, you will feel better. And yes, it really is okay for you to take five minutes to go take a shower. You know, right. sometimes people think, oh, my baby needs me. Well, you know, feed your baby, hop in the shower. You're going to, baby's going to be okay. You know, you know, but just to do kind of things like that. Just, I said, just the simple act sometimes of putting on some fresh clothes can actually really kind of change your outlook. This is actually a lot of my friends who were kind of really lost when they suddenly had to go home to work. They didn't know what to do. And they're kind of like that attitude. If I could be in my pajamas all day. You know, and I said, really, honestly, I said, as somebody who has tele telecommuted for many years, I can tell you, honestly, it, it doesn't actually help you to do that. It's better if you kind of like you segment and you think just loosely, okay, what time will I eat lunch? What time will I go outside with the baby and maybe take a walk? And it can just be just up and down in front of wherever you live. You know, you don't even have to go far. I remember this one time, you know, I, I used to live in, I used to be the area coordinator of leaders for Little H.A. Lake of Maine in New Hampshire. And this one winter, we just brutal winter, you know, over a hundred inches of snow, you know, and this gal was up in Maine. So it was even more, and she was up in this rural part of Maine and she was slowly going crazy. You know, cabin fever is a real thing. She had a new baby and like a toddler and I was just begging her on the phone. She would call me just having, she was having such a struggle. And I said, look, I said, just get your babies in, in their snowsuits and just drive through the drive through window at McDonald's. You have to get out of that house just to get some air and to see some adults. I, I said, just do something, even, even if you can't cope with the thought of being inside someplace, you know, and talking to people, go through the drive through window, you know, get yourself a snack. Really, you have to get out of that house. So I would say just kind of like having a loose schedule like that can sometimes be helpful. You know, one of our authors actually came up with a kind of an interesting thing for people who can't afford doula. She said that, you know, instead of asking or getting baby gifts to ask, you know, friends to maybe take a day of the week where they come over and do something. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's an amazing tip, amazing information and to kind of get them out of the house. I know it's, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, so yeah. there's always so the awful gray weather and everything. And honestly, <laughs> just thinking preventatively, I'd probably have the moms thinking about getting some fish oil and taking fish oil. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, I lecture at a lot of hospitals and uh, sometimes I run into the folks that I see them again at the lactation conference or something. And they say, you know, ever since you've come, we've started doing this thing where we get the moms together, they go outside, you know, get a little bit of, of daylight. They, we, we have them like take a little walk. They're getting the social support and they're taking fish oil. And they said our rates of postpartum depression have really gone down. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. And, and I know I, it was recommended to me to actually take fish oil and vitamin D. Yes. Vitamin D would be the other thing. Yeah. Especially in some place like Cleveland. And you yeah. know, it's interesting that you said that too, because I just saw a really nice review article that was talking about that. So yes, vitamin D, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Loving these tips. So I have something, someone that Becca put in the comments and this, it was actually going to go into one of the other questions I was going to ask you, but yeah. how do we help change or curb the negative social pressures in societies hmm. that mom has on them? So much of it comes from societal structure and functionalism and general yeah. generational biases. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, some of the effective programs, you know, that have been really good, particularly where there's a lot of 
family pressure about not breastfeeding because maybe, you know, grandma didn't do it or something like that. Some of the best programs have been ones that include the whole family. Yeah. You know, I think that that's one thing because it's, you know, in terms of changing whole societies, I mean, honestly, I have probably dedicated my whole career to doing that. But what I kind of find is you got to start with the people who will listen, you know, exactly. and for a mother, I would say you start with the, with the family system. You know, and so it's like if they all can get breastfeeding education together, so maybe including a partner and the grandma in that. You know, there was a great program out in California called A More Excellent Way, and it went through black churches. And they were really focusing on reducing that infant mortality rate. But it was a program where they educated everybody. So grandma got educated, the, you know, the partner got educated, the family members got, you know, so it's like they brought in everybody. And kind of instead of fighting them, got everybody on board with the same goal. You know, this is kind of what we're doing. So I think that's one way you really affect changes. I think, honestly, changes are going to come from the ground up. Because people have said, oh, well, you know, how are we going to change the OBs? Honestly, I don't think we are. Right. But I think it's going to come from the ground up. And I think it's going to be a consumer-driven change. You know, I, I'm already hopeful because I've seen changes. You know, when I started in this field it was the model was so entrenched there was no room for breastfeeding in it you know and it was all it's all hormones we're going to give her hormones we're going to put her on antidepressants it was very much a model of that that was that was the treatment and i thought i and many times i thought this is hopeless this is yeah. this is hopeless and then i thought well you know it's kind of like that you know seven habits of of you know highly what is it highly whatever chief people stephen covey's book i'm all of a sudden blocking on the name uh -huh. But it's people, you know, who really make a difference, basically. And his first one was basically kind of like, and you're in a situation where it seems impossible to think, what can I do? And I thought, well, I can educate lactation providers. Yeah. And I thought, well, if we start there, you know, and it's interesting how there's now been a, I mean, people didn't even think birth experience meant anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, Go ahead. I said, and that's changed. That's changed for the better. But so I would say probably that if we're going to talk about the societal changes, you know, I think it's going to come from empowered mothers, empowered families. That's where I think it's going to come from, you know, and kind of like the more that you can spread that within a community, I think that's the thing that's going to suddenly, suddenly push back at systems. You know, like, for example, one of the things that we're all of a sudden there's been a lot of people asking questions is looking at infant mortality rates or mother mortality rates, you know, black versus white. And that came out of data from the state of California. But all of a sudden people are asking, you know, why is it that this is happening and kind of what is black mother's experiences giving birth? What can we do to prevent that? You know, and so talking about, you know, changing a very reluctant system and acknowledging there's clearly differences. Yes. And, and why are they there? And so, you know, again, like I said, it kind of started with talking about the individual's experience and that that started kind of trickling up. So I think it's going to probably come the same way. Uh, absolutely. I agree. And when it comes to breastfeeding and to the birth work world, there is a lot that we have to do, but it does take us speaking up and, you know, educating the masses of, like you said, right. whoever will listen. Well, and that's the thing, you know, it's like, I think an important job is getting the good information out there, but, you know, I really commend you in the work that you're doing with the individual mothers. Because again, yeah. that is where I think the change comes. Yes. You know, they used to say this, there was a, an example they used to use a lot in the child maltreatment field, you know, and they talk about, you know, people being like social workers in, in child maltreatment field. And they'd say, you know, like you, you walk and there's a beach and there's all these, you know, these, you know, animals that are kind of covered in an oil slick and you're picking up and you clean, you know, one, you know, and you kind of like make it so that that bird can fly again. And the question is, do you think that's making any difference at all? 
And then the answer is it's making a difference to this bird. Oh, wow. You know? That's, that's important. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So, yeah. The, the individual work, I think becomes the corporate work, but yeah, the, the, the key is getting good information, but in terms of what moms can do, one of the things that I would really kind of suggest is they really limit their exposure to social media. Oh my goodness. Yes. Somebody said yes. Oh, absolutely. I, okay. So the mom groups on Facebook can be helpful in connecting you with another mom, but Correct. misinformation runs rampant, especially yes. if it's not monitored. I agree. Yeah. And I would say, you know, like if you have some curated sites that you recommend, that would be it. And one of the things I actually also recommend is that they limit their amount of phone time to about a couple hours a day. Oh. And even a couple hours a day, I think is a lot, but I mean, let's be realistic about what, what can we do because to a baby, a mom engaged on their phone, they look like they're depressed. Oh, wow. That is, so I just saw like a mom, it was a Facebook go Facebook video going viral and the mom is like holding the baby and rocking the swing. And then she like looks up from her phone and she feels like she lost her baby. And so she's searching everywhere for her baby only to realize that her baby is in her arms. And that was just like, wow, wow. like all our phones can really just kind of transport us and yeah. kind of take us out of reality. And yeah. then, but I just see so many moms just, and I can be guilty of this too, just being on our phones all the time, walking there's, you know, driving the strollers with, you know, watching their phones and things. I'm always amazed people can do that. Honestly, I trip and fall <laughs> within two seconds. I think. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm pretty clumsy. So I really try not to. And I think there are some things that you can do on your phone. So for any of the moms that are listening, a lot of the phones now have like digital well-being, so you can actually look at how many hours you're spending on right. your phone and different apps and you're able to limit those yes. hours and things like that. So that's, and that, that's actually one of the things I suggest is, you know, look, yeah. I understand that this may be a way you can reach out to others. The other thing is there's so much misinformation. I mean, there's all yes. these, these places where it tells, you know, you how to support your way through six, six weeks of pain with breastfeeding. It's like, yes. instead of fixing the pain. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Something else that I have noticed, especially when I see these Facebook groups is how, when a mom is talking about her milk supply and we're going to be wrapping up really shortly, but she'll be talking about her concern for her milk supply yeah. and how she's like, how am I supposed to like increase my milk supply and what can I do to make more milk and what can I eat and things like that? So there's two things that I've noticed. One, sometimes, especially if she's taking the baby to the doctor's appointment, baby's growing well, but she's so anxious about how her baby's feeding, uh -huh. that could be a sign of postpartum anxiety. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The other thing is that when there's a concern about the milk supply is instead of figuring out, and I see this with providers, you know, mm -hmm. other moms and things like that. Okay. So what's the real problem? Is it like, is it actually your milk supply? Right. Is the baby latching? Beca well, because if the baby latching, not latching well, are, we're not going to increase your milk supply with your cookies and your herbal <laughs> and things like that, which is why it's so, so important to not only educate from other, you know, lactation professionals, but also to get the right information. And your book has the right information and the unique information that you know, people just are not talking about. So, well, and you're, you're hundred percent correct. I think the two things are, you know, like, is the baby effectively latching and, and actually taking in milk, you know, yep. and 
how many times a day are they doing that? Because again, a lot of times, you know, when our people say, well, can I take fenugreek? Okay, well, let me ask you a question. How many times a day are you emptying your breast? And it's like, yeah. and, you know, and as for things like the cookies and stuff, if you want to have a cookie, fine, yes. go for it. Cookies are delicious. Yes. You don't need them, mm -hmm. you know, and they're, they can be quite pricey. So that's the thing that worries me about some of these products. You know, it's kind of like families are really sacrificing to buy something that's probably not necessary. You know, and again, like I said, if you want to have a cookie to eat a cookie, hey, go for it. You're you're a new mom. You you learned it. This thing about there being necessary. You know, I just actually had a uh, webinar that I was doing for a group out in Oregon, and they were talking about the mothers feeling like they got to do this triple feeding. You know, because they're they're seeing on Facebook mothers having this whole stock of milk Gosh. in the freezer. Yeah. And it's like, you don't need to do that, but no. you feel like you're slacking if you don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I come across it so, so many times where they're like, like they have like three, four five, you know, you know, packs of milk in their fridge. And they're like, well, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm not making enough because I don't yeah. have this whole freezer full of Ugh. breast milk. And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't really want to oversupply of milk no. because that's so uncomfortable. I wasn't over and, though. I know. Well, and how to do that? But you know, I will tell you this, and this is, this is actually kind of what I said to you, you know, before my son Ken came to work for me, you know, he was working in a medical waste disposal and he actually had to incinerate bags and bags and bags of breast milk. Oh my God. Yeah. Heart. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I said too. But it, I mean, it doesn't last forever. And they, this I think was coming from milk banks, but they had to incinerate it wow. because it had gone off and it's like, it eventually does. And so it's again, like I said, do not knock yourself out over feeling like you have to do this. You don't, Absolutely. you know, I think Kelly mom, the Kelly mom site's got some really good guidance on how much you need for when you're returning to work, yes. you know, and if you want to have maybe an extra week on top of that, you know, would that make you feel better? Yeah. But really, honestly, that's what you need. Yes. Yeah. So do you have, okay, real quick, five quick tips for breastfeeding moms? I would say, yeah, let me think about this. I'd say, first of all, if it hurts, get some help. Yeah. And if the person tells you it should get better in a few weeks, go get somebody else. You know, second, I would say it's okay to ask for help. No, it's okay to, for you to receive help, that it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you a slacker. I would say get out every day. Even if you just do nothing but walk around, you know, in, on the sidewalk in front of your house or your apartment, you know, get out, get, get some air, you know, get out of that house. If you're not feeling like something is support, feel free to move on to the next thing, you know, and also to try to have people that are around you that are on the same page. This is a time when you get to pick because if people are stressing you out, it's okay to not see them for a while. Mm -hmm. No, and I'll give you a perfectly reasonable hormonal explanation for why you shouldn't do that. And that is it's going to, the stress hormones are going to suppress your oxytocin. So it can actually, you know, make it harder for you to breastfeed if you do that. So you have a perfect excuse for if somebody's stressing you out, it's okay to like limit how much time you see them or not see them at all. Mm -hmm. You know, that you want people around you who are going to be on the same page and that are supporting you, that you feel supported. And it's like, even if it means dropping into a breastfeeding cafe or, you know, talking to somebody on the phone or, you know, getting on a zoom call, whatever you need to do to surround yourself with people who are kind of on the same page and support your goals, that that's important. And I would finally, just as a summary to all of that, your mental health matters. It matters tremendously. You know, you're not just there to provide a product. 
you are important. And what you're really trying to do is have a relationship. That's the thing that's on top of everything else is that interaction, that relationship. And so if you're feeling like constantly miserable, you know, it's time to, first of all, see if we can fix whatever it is that's making you miserable. But we also want to really be continuing to focus on that, you know, and that that's the important thing and that you matter, you matter as a mother. And, you know, if you had a horrible birth experience, if you're feeling really overwhelmed, it's okay to admit that and to talk about it yes. and to find somebody who will listen to you about that and really listen and not sit there and try to talk you out of it and say, oh, you're so lucky. You know, it's like, well, you may not feel really lucky at this moment, honestly, but that's okay. You know, but as long as we make sure that, you know, you feel supported and that you feel loved during this, that's important. Absolutely. You have just dropped some amazing gems and facts and information. I'm so absolutely grateful that you came on to chat with me about this. So I know your book is coming out. Why don't you tell us when that is coming out and where we can find your book? Okay. So the book's going to be available on Amazon. It is actually, the hard copy is coming out in end of July, but I believe the Kindle's going to be launched the month before that. So end of June. So end of June, be looking for it, but you can also go to our website. We're taking pre-orders with a discount and it's Preclarus Press, which is P-R- a-E-C-L-A-R-U-S. And I apologize for that name. I named it before I found out you, you really shouldn't name your business something people can't pronounce. Aristocrats.com. <laughs> okay? yes. so, you know, again, like I said, if you can't remember that, remember, like, I have a little shortcut email that goes to my website, which is kktnow.com. Okay. Yeah, and I'll be posting the links in the email that I send out and in the video description. So I'll oh, have that Thank for you. all of them, along with where we can find you, which is, where can we find you? ktnow.com will take you to my personal website and that'll have links to everything too. Awesome. Perfect. And if you guys are interested, some of the things that I talk about and that we've talked about in this webinar is in my breastfeeding class. So if you guys are interested in taking that breastfeeding class, just let me know, shoot me a message. It's been an amazing time with you, Kathleen. I, I can't even tell you. I, I'm my friend. She's also a breastfeeding counselor. Her name is Madison. When she found out I was talking with you, she like basically screamed over text message. <laughs> we'll tell her thank you. That's very sweet. All right. Well, is there any questions, Becca, that you have? Well, I would just say, first of all, I would actually commend you to take Angel's class. She knows what she's talking about. She she tagged on to the, the two things that are absolutely critical. You know, she knows something that many people who actually, you know, have many more years of experience and a lot more letters behind their name don't seem to know. So I would say, you know, I actually trust her ability to help you. And I said, I do want to commend you, Angel, for the work that you're doing with families. I think it's so important and it's just, you know, it's amazing. And I, I want to actually support you in any way I can. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Oh gosh, you're amazing. I'm, I am so excited to, you know, see your book, read your book, get my hands on it. And guys, when it comes out, I'm definitely going to let everyone know to go buy this book because everything that she talks about is always so, so important and so vital. So just be on the lookout for the replay of this video. I'll include the links. And then Kathleen, if you want to send me any resources that we talked about, like the research articles that you've talked about, feel free to send me that and I'll link that in the description as well. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. All right. All right. So it's been so nice talking to you and I'll talk to everyone later. Bye. Bye. Thank you Bye. so much. It was fun. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. Our journey doesn't need to end here. 
To find out more information about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, head to my website, www.fruitofthewombbirth.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to hit that bell button to get alerts on any new episodes. And if you really like what you're hearing, give this podcast a five-star rating. Can't wait to see you in the next episode.